Good afternoon and happy Wednesday, everyone. Welcome to the Ubu's Children podcast. You know, there are some unimaginative people out there who have been speculating that Donald Trump is actually King Ubu in the flesh. Well, I am here to tell you that that is simply not true. You see, King Ubu is not a person. He's not Donald Trump. He's not Hillary Clinton. King Ubu is a, is a, how will I put this, sort of an overall state of mind. You see, we are all Ubu's children, and Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton are included in that. See, we are all just part of this clown world, and we're all just living in it. And speaking of Clown World, I am here today with two stories that I find quite illustrative. The first story uh, is actually in two parts. Uh, The first part is from Breitbart, and the headline is, Assassinated Russian Journalist Vows to Live Until He Can Dance on Putin's Grave. On Wednesday, Arkady Babchenko surprised many by showing up alive at a televised news conference in Kiev, a day after Ukrainian authorities told the press he was found shot dead. He claimed the Ukrainian Secret Service faked his death as part of a special intelligence operation to catch those plotting his assassination. The day before, Ukrainian officials said that Babchenko had died after being shot at home by an unknown assailant, leading Moscow and Kiev to blame one another for his death. Video of his colleagues watching the press conference and being shocked to see their fellow journalist on television alive quickly spread through social media. In a Facebook post on Wednesday, Babchenko, who fled Russia early last year fearing for his life, said he had hoped to die at the age of 96 having danced on Putin's grave, as well as taking a selfie standing on a tank in downtown Moscow. In response to critics who were shocked, shocked, I tell you, to uh, find out that a fellow journalist had lied, Babchenko said, uh, Babchenko later hit back and said the keep at the uh, keepers of morality who are dissatisfied with the fact that I somehow wrongly, in their opinion, did not die. Now, we here at Ubu's Children wish Mr. Babchenko a long and prosperous life. Hell, we have no reason not to. And we hope that one day he does live to 96 years of age, and he does get the opportunity to dance on Putin's grave. The only thing that I would add is, when you finally get to do this, Mr. Babchenko, can you really be sure that Vladimir Putin is in that grave? Because I think we just established that that might be a problem. Now, the second part of the story is from The Guardian, and this is from someone named Sean Walker, and the headline is, The Babchenko Stunt May End Up Feeding the Kremlin Spin Machine. And as The Guardian always does, somehow manage to be both hysterical and uninteresting at the same time. I guess Jessica Valenti is really rubbing off on them. But Mr. Walker writes, As dramatic plot twists go, it was top drawer, 
gasps all around at a press conference about a murder investigation as the star guest turns out to be the victim himself, smirking and very much not dead. The courageous, controversial, and contrarian journalist Arkady Babchenko had not been shot in the back by an assassin as Ukrainian government officials and gruesome linked photographs had led everyone to believe. In fact, he had faked his own death as part of a top-secret Ukrainian security services operation to catch real would-be killers operating on Moscow's orders. Okay, I'll cut that out. It's really hard not to talk like that when you're reading The Guardian. Walker goes on. For all its absurdity, the story for all its absurdity is clearly no laughing matter. Babchenko really did flee Russia in fear, and there may well have been a genuine assassination plot. The question is whether Ukrainian authorities, in preventing a killing, if that is indeed what they have done, did more harm than good, and whether there was any less provocative way to achieve the same ends. The next time a Kremlin critic is shot to death, or poisoned, or falls curiously from their balcony to die on the concrete below, the first question is always going to be, are they really dead? There's no doubt that we can expect the Babchenko defense to be used as Moscow's stock response to reports or even photographs of various Russia-linked atrocities for years to come. Next time you show me photos from Syria by white helmets, I will show photos of dead Arkady Babchenko killed by Putin, wrote one pro-Russian Twitter user in a small taste of what is surely to come in large quantities. Of course, that the Kremlin might spin something to its advantage is hardly a reason to abort a potentially life-saving mission. But even assuming there was an excellent operational reason for subterfuge, questions about the way the stunt was handled remain. Was it really necessary to announce his death, rather than a severe injury, thus traumatizing friends, relatives, and Russian journalists who had already lost multiple colleagues to bullets. More pertinently, the tone of the grand reveal seemed in remarkably poor taste. Rather than solemnly note the need for such an extraordinary twist of events, Babchenko was wheeled out at the press conference in a bid to create maximum shock effect, like a seaside magician reveling in the audience's amazement as his son-and-half-woman becomes whole again. Skipping down a bit. Now all will hinge on what hard evidence of the Russian plot Ukraine is able to produce. If Kiev has bagged cast-iron proof that the would-be assassin's orders came from Moscow, then the whole episode may get, go down as an audacious, if controversial, success. You really have to hand it to the Guardian for this strange ability to bring up something that raises just a ton of questions and then just dropping it. See, because if Ukraine is faking a Russian journalist's death, what else have they faked in the past? What has Russia faked? What has NATO faked? What has the United States faked? See, years ago, I would read stories like this and laugh at those backward countries across the, over the ocean. Nowadays, not so much. 
It's like every time some brave young democracy activist in the Middle East writes a memoir and everybody is all cheering for that person. And then next thing you know, it turns out that that person is uh, funded by some American NGO. Or when there is a spontaneous violent demonstration in one of our cities, and then it turns out that the organizers are funded by some some uh, eccentric billionaire. Or when some nut job uh, shoots up a nightclub, and then next thing you know, that nut job's dad is sitting behind Hillary Clinton at the Democrat convention. But the Guardian doesn't want the proles thinking like that, so I guess they don't bother. Either that or they're so dull that they don't even ask those questions of themselves. But once again, we wish Mr. Babchenko a long and prosperous life. Hell, we wish a long, prosperous life on most people. But while we are on the subject of mildly amusing stories that have uh, far bigger implications, here is a story from the UK Sun which shows that gender equality has finally reached London. The headline says, You are cowards. Female boss slams white middle-class men who fled as six-foot attacker kicked and threatened her on tube in London. Tamara Sinsick, while she didn't blame the man involved, saying he was clearly unwell, but she was left unimpressed by the cowards who did nothing. This is very poorly written. The mum of one said children were left in tears during the confrontation on the Northern Line on Monday. Speaking to the Mail Online, Tamara said that she had been traveling to a business meeting on Monday when the tall man boarded the train at Archway, immediately starting to scream. She said, He was screaming and shouting at me, saying things like, I'm going to fucking kick you. Then he did actually kick, kick me. It was intimidating. He was a big guy, and I am only a size 8. But she said she wasn't angry at the man, who was clearly unwell. Instead, she added, I remain more angry with those white middle-class men who left me to it. As fathers, husbands, and sons, they should have been ashamed of themselves. Ladies, I'm going to give you some unsolicited advice here. If you want white men to stick their necks out for you, don't say the phrase white men as though you're spitting out a freaking cockroach. See, because I pretty much guarantee you that these guys knew that if they had stepped in and stopped this crazy person, not only would they have been arrested, but you wouldn't have called you wouldn't have stuck up for them. In fact, you probably would have called them racists. And the truth of the matter is, if you're going to be damned if you do and damned if you don't, it's a lot better to be damned and not kicked in the face. So we here congratulate Ms. Zinsik on Zer newfound empowerment. And while she battles the London tube every morning, we are looking at living in the most remote part of the United States possible. So thank you for listening to this first episode of the Ubu's Children podcast. We will return to you later with more news, politics, weird bits, and conspiracy theories from Clown World. Have a happy Wednesday, and I will talk to you later. Goodbye.